Ever wonder what psychologist moms talk about when we get together? Whether we're consulting one another about a challenging case or one of our own kids, or just leaning on each other when parenting feels hard, because trust me, even when we do this for a living, it's still hard. Joining me each week in these special Thursday shows are two of my closest friends, both moms, both psychologists. They're the people I call when I need a sounding board. These are our unfiltered answers to your parenting questions. We're letting you in on the conversations the three of us usually have behind closed doors. This is Securely Attached, Beyond the Sessions. Hi, everybody. This is another wonderful talk that we get to have with Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg and Dr. Emily Upshur. We got a question um, from someone who is a listener asking, is it okay to let your child quit? My husband and I have a debate going on and I'd love to get your take on this. Okay, so I definitely have some thoughts on this, but before we get into it, I would just like to remind you all, if you haven't yet, please go ahead and leave a podcast review wherever you're streaming securely attached. Your ratings and your reviews make a serious impact in helping get the podcast heard by other parents just like you. So I really appreciate you taking the time to write them. And the ones you have written are like, make my day every time. (laughs) So let's get in. Rebecca, why don't you kick this off? What do you think about quitting? Has this come up with your kids at all? Yes. Come up with my own kids, come up with my clients, comes up all the time. I mean, the, the one word answer to that question of like, is it okay to let your child quit in one word is sure. Um, I don't think any hard and fast rules about not being allowed to do something as a parent or a kid ever serve us well. Um, but as usual, and certainly listeners to this podcast will be familiar with the fact that there's a lot of context, a lot of nuance. Um, of course, if this was an easy question, parents wouldn't have it all the time. Um, I think it really depends on so many things of sort of when, when it, you know, what is driving the quitting? What's underneath it? You know, quitting is often the iceberg part that's showing, you know, is your child anxious? Is your child irritated with something going on in the particular class or activity? Does your child feel pressure? Does your child no longer like the thing? You know, they've done soccer for a few years and they're kind of over it, but they really are into something else that's going to provide the same benefit. Has it been two weeks or has it been two years? Like there's just so many ifs, 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 and, you know, context cues that I think are really important for that decision. And much like many things with parenting, I would say there's no formula other than not to have a knee-jerk reaction of like, mm-hmm. yes, you can quit or no, you can't quit. I think it's really important, reg- like regardless of the situation to say, if, as soon as that comes up, can I quit this? Or I don't want to go today or I don't, to not have it be kind of a <clears throat> a power struggle or an immediate decision, but to say, wow, that's something I haven't heard you say before, or that's, some, you know, and it's a really important conversation. Let's find some time to talk about it. Um, and you know, where this is coming, obviously that's a conversation you'd have with an older kid and not necessarily a three-year-old. Um, and I think in order to have more specific guidance, I would need, you know, frankly, more details because I think it really, really matters. Why is a child doing an activity? Whose idea was it to do the activity? What's the goal? Um, you know, is this a parent driven thing or a child driven thing? I mean, there's just, there's so many questions when I get that from 
my clients that I have and that I want to go into. Um, I mean, I can certainly tell stories about my own kids if that's helpful, but I'd love to hear what you guys think. I, I yeah. love all that. I think that's so, so helpful. And, and the thing that kept coming to my mind is like, I don't know if this viewer was thinking this, but I think it's also important to not automatically think that letting your kid quit is super easy for them. So for example, like that, that if we give into that too quickly, they, they actually might have more ambivalent feelings than we're giving them credit for. Like on the surface, they might say, I want to quit because to Rebecca's point, maybe they're anxious or maybe they're legitimately tired of it, but they might have more ambivalent feelings. And, and I think that that's also an important thing to keep in mind when we are deciding exactly to Rebecca's point, like have this be more of a conversation and see what's happening underneath the surface a little, because maybe the knee jerk reaction is I want to quit. And you're thinking, okay, that'll be the right choice for them or that'll help them. And maybe they'll regret that, or maybe they have more mixed feelings than they're letting on in that regard. Yeah. I think the theme that I keep hearing in both of your, of your points is like, well, two things. One is slow down. You've got time. There doesn't need to be an answer to this presented problem immediately. And I think that's reassuring for parents. Like if your child says, I want to quit, you don't have to have a solution to that problem immediately. You can sort of take your time, peek under the hood. And that's the other theme that I keep hearing come up is not taking something, whatever it is, anything our kids throw at us, at, at solely at face value, at saying like, this is the beginning of a peek under their hood. But I actually have to lift up the hood and look underneath and say, okay, what's behind this request? To Rebecca, like you, you know, you both listed off a lot of good things it could be, right? And I think, I think it's helpful for parents to have some tools in like discerning, like how do you ask the right questions to discern what the real reason is? Um, Like, for example, because in my mind, where I'm going to is like the two risks, right? I let my child quit and maybe they weren't, maybe that's not the right move because it doesn't teach them to persist. It doesn't teach them to tolerate struggle. It doesn't teach them to, you know, finish out a commitment, right? The other risk is I don't let them quit and they're really struggling with it and it's really upsetting for them to be there or there's something there that's just really not healthy for them and they recognize that and they don't want it and they're reacting to that you know but also quitting isn't necess- quitting or not quitting is so binary there's nuance like how do we solve all of those potential problems may or may not be leaving the activity or leaving right now because i think the other thing i like to think about a lot when you said slow down is like well, if my child wants to quit a sport they signed up for and they're, it's a month in, I might say, okay, at the end of the season, we can decide not to do it again. That's still sort of quitting, right? But it's not like, all right, starting tomorrow, you don't have to go anymore. Or starting next week, you don't have to go. It's also discerning to your point, Sarah, about needing um, tools. This is you know, because it may be that someone who wants to quit tomorrow or today is because it's like super cold outside and they don't feel like going to practice and it has nothing to do with quitting. It has to do with how they feel in the moment. And particularly kids are notorious humans also. Like when they're having strong feelings about something, that's all that they can see. They can't see the bigger picture perspective. And as far as a sort of concrete tool, this is 
a hundred percent a case with my own kids and with clients where I've used or recommend using kind of that multiple choice approach, you know, so saying like, wow, you know, again, and, and a lot of times it's about timing, like, thanks for bringing this up, but you know what, you still have to put on your karate gi and go to karate today. <laughs> and then we'll talk about this later, you know, so again, a lot of his timing. And then once, once it comes up later in a calmer moment and saying, you know, some kids say they want to quit because they're just not in the mood to go on a particular day. Other times kids quit because they think it's too much and they just want to break. Other times kids say they want to quit because they're nervous about something. Other times kids say they want to quit because they got in an argument with their friend who's there. like, you can kind of list all the different things it might be because oftentimes kids don't necessarily know how to put into words why they want to quit. They just know mm -hmm. that it now feels bad. It used to feel good. It now feels bad. And so forget it. And when you prompt with that kind of language and those kinds of options, and you say, you know, do any of those sound like you? And you can give kind of really start, you know, some kids say they want to quit and then they realize they didn't want to quit. They just really had to pee, you know, <laughs> like you can give them all kinds of outs, you know, mm -hmm. have all the ambivalence or some kids say they want to quit, but what they mean is they want to talk about it because they, something feels weird and they don't know why it feels weird. But like, and I often find that if I just spew a lot of that at my own kids or have clients do it, that a kid will be like, yeah, that, that kind of like that, but also a little like that. And it just gets the conversation going. Yeah. It's also a super not, it's like modeling for your kid in that moment that there's lots of possible reasons why we might feel some way and that the goal and how we're going to respond to this is to explore it rather than fix it. Right? right. If you say to me, if my kid comes to me and says, I want to quit and I say, mm -hmm. no, you can't, or okay, what I, what's missing there is the exploration. And so when we model for our kids, like when we have some sort of conflict, right? I have to do this thing and I don't want to do it. That's a conflict. Let's try to figure out what is causing that conflict because different things have different, you know, triggers, you know, and, and then my other thought is like, okay, you know, distress tolerance, anxiety tolerance, that's really important. And we really do want to help a child tolerate struggling with something a little bit before we immediately take away that problem. Like I've talked about this before, but this makes me think of like my daughter and dance. And like, sometimes our kids don't tell us they want to quit, but they do behaviors that we may interpret as, oh, you can't do this and we need to quit. But in fact, it's, you know, if we slow down and just wait and see and stay with our kid in the moment and tolerate their process, we might find that what we're our initial interpretation may not be accurate. So when I took my child to dance, she's almost four, but we started when she was like, you know, mid, like three and a quarter. It was literally like 25, 30, it's a 45 minute class. And it'd be like 25, 30 minutes of her not going in the door. And like, there was like a, you know, I can't go in the room. I sit in a, like an outside space and she has to go into the dance classroom through a door that closes and she didn't want to go. But eventually we just kept going. And I was like, all right, for right now, I'm just looking at dance as an exercise in separation, not in dance class for her right now. But we kept going with not really this like big pressure on my end that she had to participate in the way I imagined her participating when I signed her up for dance. 
And now she goes every day that we go to class. She just walks right in and does her thing. It took her a long time to do that. If I had sort of read that behavior as you can't do this, so we're we're not going to do it, um, and we quit, then she wouldn't be like we would never have gotten to the place we're at right now, where, where she's confidently kind of doing it on her own. You know. That's slightly different, I think, than what this question is, is like, how do we respond to when our kid tells us they want to quit? But I also think with younger kids, they're not specifically saying, I want to quit, but their behaviors might make us think they want to quit or need to quit. And then perhaps they don't. But that takes a lot of patience because I was definitely stretching my patience muscles every Saturday for a long time. I mean, and I think there's that's a great point because your example, Sarah, like, makes me think of different types of things like musical instruments where you really do have to sort of like push through some of the like ick of practicing and sort of to get to a place of competency that may be more engaging and fun. So I do think there's, there's so much nuance to this here. And and I like the idea of particularly with, with all children, but particularly with a little bit older children, sort of like having that conversation and posing your own ambivalence, like, can help as well. My son, I had, I had a similar issue with my son and, and I was really not sure what the answer was, right? Like there, it was really unclear. And I sort of expressed that to him. Like what part of me thinks that you should persist with this. And part of me thinks like, Oh, it's okay. You're doing so much. There's other things that you're interested in, you know? And that really allowed him to reflect on his own ambivalence saying like, part of me really wants to do this. And part of me just wants to do it because I like my friends and they're there, (laughs) but do I really want to do the thing? You know? So I think it really, again, I think being able to keep that process in mind is a big piece of that. And I, and I think that's such a great point, Emily, because it models that there isn't a right answer. I mean, that's why my gut response to the way that the listener phrased the question of like, is a kid allowed to quit? Like, yeah, you know, and not quit. And, but you know what I mean? It's like, and so phrasing, you know, sitting down with your kid when they're old enough to engage in that, which obviously requires a certain level of developmental maturity and saying like, here's some reasons I think it'd be cool not to quit. Here's some reasons it'd be cool to quit. And frankly, we're not going to talk and talk about this until we land on the right answer. We're going to kind of talk about it until we decide on the path that we want to take right now at this moment in time. Um, and so often I've seen parents in um, two parent families kind of argue, like, is it right? Like, is it, it sounds like this listener mentioned they were in a debate with their partner, you know, like, is it okay to let our kid quit? Is it not okay? And one partner says yes. And one partner says no, as if they're going to convince the other one that there is this right way and this wrong way. And it's just so rarely that linear, um, mm. you know, and, and I think this is also just Another really important area where, and I know you talk about this a lot on the podcast, Sarah, but another really important area where it's really important to examine our own stuff as parents. So Mm -hmm. like, does my child want to be a trumpet player or do I really want my child to be a trumpet player? You know, is my child really not enjoying karate or am I really not enjoying the drive to karate? You know, just like what, what, like these things often get enmeshed. Another big one I'll throw into that list is 
is my child really interested in XYZ or do I have a fear that if they don't participate in this, they will not have the path to college that I think they need to have, right? I think there's so much pressure on parents to be getting their children involved in a lot of extracurricular activities, let alone like even one or two, but like even just one or two. Like there's so much pressure that's like, if you don't have this thing, then you won't be able to compete, right? And while I, I recognize that to some degree that there's a system out there that that may be promoting and maintaining that fear, I challenge parents all the time to like not move, make these decisions off of fear that you know some also, bad I, outcome will happen. I in just the have run. to interrupt to say that research actually, because I see, um, Melinda Moyer just did a whole piece on this. Research shows that's actually not true to the extent that there's science on this. That it's not true. That mm-hmm. if you look at kids and families from the same general socioeconomic world, that who engages in a particular extracurricular and who doesn't doesn't actually influence college admissions or whatever else. Which I just think again is not the point that we want people to walk away with and really like internalize per se, but it just happens to be that it's just not even true. Um, And and I think I'd love to add to that, but like the same, the same thing I said, think I said earlier, which is like right now, you know, like let's say Mm -hmm. my kid wants to not do this activity right now. That doesn't mean in a few years they might want, not want to try it again. Right. And I just think that keeping that open as a possibility in your mind and like as a parent, thinking like maybe this isn't the right thing right now, but I'll keep it open for the future or I'll keep it open for a different iteration. I think that that's a really important piece of this because it feels so definitive. Like if they don't do swimming right now, they'll never be able to swim for high school. Well, that's not true, right? So I think keeping flexible about some of those things is really an important piece of this and keeping your your own self-regulation as a parent, like we'll have many opportunities to address these things and, and keeping that as an open pathway is really important. That's so, so, so important. Like I also, I think you're spot on the word quit feels so permanent and even just internally replacing the word quit with pause or using that word with our kids, like modeling that sort of open-endedness, Hey, we could take a pause and revisit if that's what feels right right now. Although when my son, who's seven, I kept saying that about karate, like, cause I, again, like I really thought karate would be great for him and I really wanted him to do karate. Um, Mm -hmm. This day, I will stand by that. He really didn't want to. And so I kept saying like, well, pause on karate. And finally he looked at me and he's like, you keep saying pause. (laughs) I want to do it again. I want to quit. (laughs) So it was like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Which is great because that's exactly what you're saying of like, ah, this is that mirror that our kids often act as that reflects me back to me. And maybe I am projecting my needs onto that. Cause I, I agree about the karate thing. I and mean, my kids are doing jujitsu right now and I'm like so happy they both do it because I think from a mental wellness standpoint, the martial arts has, we could do a whole episode on why I think that's a great thing in general for, yeah, but I want it because I know it's got components embedded in it that are, re- are linked to resilience and mental wellness. And so I want that for my kids but if they don't like it, I'm going to be in conflict with that because I like have an agenda a bit, which is totally normal, by the way, to have an agenda for your kids' extracurricular. 
it's so important to recognize that I wasn't really being as kind of subtle as I thought I, you know, I thought I was like, I'm just going to use the word pause, you know, (laughs) you know, interesting about that to your point, you know, earlier about what kids, you know, can and can't do is he, karate started getting harder with like multi-step directions, you know, like you have to do a combination as opposed to a step. And probably that sounds like it could be dance too. And he really couldn't do it. You know, it was the auditory processing and that piece and he really couldn't do it. And so he started acting out in karate. Right. And so then every time I picked him up from karate, it was like another chance to hear from a phenomenal karate teacher who was like the most, you know, great, but still, the ways in which my son wasn't kind of measuring up in terms of like expected behavior. And so again, it's like, okay, I need to step back and think not just about karate in general. And what do I think about mental health in terms of karate and how, but just what is this like for my child? Mm -hmm. And at this particular moment in time, to Emily's point, is this actually helping do the things that my hope is that it would do like build his confidence and his ability to control himself and whatever else it's no, you know? And so again, that kind of reality versus fantasy, that kind of general versus my child um, comes in. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think I wonder if the listener is also asking, cause I hear this a lot in my practice, which is like, and I say this a lot in my household, which is like, you don't necessarily have to do that thing, but I do need you to do some things, right? Like, I think there are parents that are like, my kid quits everything or my kid doesn't like anything. And I, you know, I want them to have something. And I do think that as a family value, that's okay. Right. But I think it's our job to keep that thing sort of like open and to to your point, Rebecca. And you can even have categories. Like you have to do some thing that exercises your body. You have to do some thing that might be a little creative. You have to do two things each week or like whatever it is. Like it's okay to even get a little bit more specific with that. Um, because Mm -hmm. some of these things really are important and some kids would want to come home and watch TV all day. And there's allowed to have days like that, but it's okay to say in your family, like, no, we're not going to do that every day, you know? Um, yeah, no, I think it's all really important. And again, so it's all really nuanced, but the question comes up all the time. So I'm really glad that we're talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys for your awesome insights into this. I think that this, you know, we're going to frustrate a whole lot of listeners because we're <laughs> never going to answer anybody's question. We're always going to say it depends. It depends <laughs> and there's nuance, but it's so true. And I think this this way of sort of, instead of answering the question with a yes or a no, modeling how we come at it from lots of different angles may hopefully give parents some some ideas for how they can come at it from the various angles that are coming up for their family. So thanks, ladies. Thank you so much for listening. As you can hear, parenting is not one size fits all. It's nuanced and it's complicated. So I really hope that this series where we're answering your questions It really helps you to cut through some of the noise and find out what works best for you and your unique child. If you have a burning parenting question, something you're struggling to navigate, or a topic you really want us to shed light on or share research about, we want to know. Go to drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question to send in anything that you want Rebecca, Emily, and me to answer in this new series, Securely Attached Beyond the Sessions. That's drsarahbren.com forward slash question. And check back for a brand new Securely Attached next Tuesday. And until then, don't be a stranger.